0: And welcome to another Dairy Dialogue podcast, number 56, and it's the 1st of November and children the world over who partook of Halloween are still on a sugar high, only to come down just in time for the excitement another holiday in December brings. I'm Jim Cornall, editor of Dairy Reporter, and as you may be able to tell by the voice, I've still got a terrible cold most likely picked up from the lady behind me waiting to get on the plane in Bergamo, who decided that the best way to treat a cold isn't by covering your face and taking medication, but by simply coughing and sneezing as far as possible to get rid of it. So I take solace in the fact that at least half a dozen other people are in the same boat as me. I was always complimented for my husky voice on the radio whenever I had a cold, so perhaps the lady did me a favour, but sure doesn't feel like it. Perhaps she works at a pharmacy and cold medication wasn't selling very well. Anyway, let's get on with it, because it's a new month to look at the weird days being celebrated, or not, as the case may be. And it's also time to tell you about our guests on the show this week. We have four interviews for you, Maraid Dunphy... Mission Communications Manager at Stonyfield Organics, talking about the company's Play Free initiative. Christiane Lippert, Head of Marketing Food at LycoRed, about the company's new online color matching tool. InnoTech and EMSUR R&D Director, Pascal Reyna, and Global Marketing Director, Cayetano Martinez, who tell us about the new facility the company has opened in Spain. And we talked to Fonterra's Komal Mystery Meta, director of NZMP Sports and Active Lifestyle, about the partnership with BiHealth. Of course, we have our weekly look at the global dairy markets with Liam Fenton from INTL FC Stone as well. But before all of that, it's been a cold week here, and a bit wet, so much so that the roads were being gritted in the mornings this week, and I'm not really impressed, it's a bit too early for that. And it's only going to get worse. The clock's slumped backwards by an hour this week here in the UK, so it's also darker at night. And have I mentioned that I've got a cold? Oh yeah, okay, I have. I also managed to do something strange this week, although really nothing to do with Halloween. I'm sure you've all seen those headset microphones that have headphones and then a microphone that you can move out that sticks out in front of your face so that you can do things like interviews for the podcast. Well, this week I managed to forget that I had it on. and managed to dunk the microphone part into a cup of tea as I moved it to my face to take a drink. I just hope that our IT department isn't listening to this, but no recording equipment was damaged, just my ego. And before we get to this week's news, and it's been very busy, it's time for Strange November Days. November the 4th is King Tut Day, or Tutankhamun and november the sixth is saxophone day as well as marooned without a compass day so if you're lost as long as you have a saxophone you're good or maybe you can just listen to some wayne shorter or weather report in the middle of nowhere as a male who makes dinner most days of the week i'm not sure i should be offended or not by men make dinner day on the seventh and it's also tongue twister day and my favourite tongue twister has to be one from here in the uk about the comedian and singer ken dodd which is ken dodd's dad's dog's dead fortunately though i do get to celebrate the next day because it's dunce day although i don't have the hat to go with it I could probably make one, though. November the 15th is Clean Your Refrigerator Day. It doesn't say if that means every year or you can get away with once every decade. I have a question about the 19th. Why is it both International Men's Day and World Toilet Day? I'll leave you to ponder that one. World Hello Day is November the 21st, so I expect to hear Lionel Richie a lot on the radio. And 23rd has a good food feel to it, as it's Espresso Day, Cashew Day, and Eat a Cranberry Day. Just one, though, no pigging out on two cranberries. The 25th is Parfait Day, and the 30th is Stay at Home Because You're Well Day. I'm sure employers the world over would love that one as an excuse. As I work from home, I'll be staying home anyway. There are, of course, loads more, but that's probably more than enough. Alright, news time. What's been happening this week? Well, rather a lot, as it happens. Sinlay has bought Dairy Works. We had a couple of news stories from packaging company SIG Old El Paso has moved into the dairy aisles with a shredded cheese line. Wonder if that makes it new, Old El Paso. Chadwick's in the UK has developed new aluminum lids, or aluminium, depending where you're from, for a yogurt range in glass containers. Lewis Road Creamery is reducing plastic. Our processing and packaging guru, Jenny Eagle, wrote about a revised packaging standard to come into force in February 2020. We had a couple of articles on listeria. DuPont has launched some new lactases, and in the US there are hopes that a bipartisan farm labour bill could help to ensure a stable workforce. We also had our monthly look at the new products in the dairy aisles in October, or at least some of them. I know globally there are loads of new products that we'd love to feature but can't because we don't know about them. Anyway, you can read these and many more of the stories that we had this week at dairyreporter.com. Oh, and Brexit didn't happen yesterday, which is good for me, because next week I'm off to yet another food show in Europe, this time into food and drink and the world of milk in Sofia, Bulgaria. Which means I'll be cobbling together next week's podcast in part before I leave and then finishing it off in Sofia. Well, that's the theory anyway. And hopefully some interesting stories from Bulgaria on the show in a couple of weeks. The only minor snag being I don't have a media pass yet, and it's not for the lack of trying. So let's get to our first guest this week, and it's over to the U.S. for Stonyfield Organics' play-free program, which is aiming to transform American parks and playing fields by making them pesticide-free. And it just hit a milestone because the organic yogurt maker says it has brought organic model fields to more than 1 million people so far. The company also announced it has teamed up with 10 new communities – to convert outdoor fields and parks to organic grounds management. And to tell us more about the project is Marae Dunphy, Mission Communications Manager at Stonyfield Organics. So how long have you been involved with the PlayFree project?
1: Um, well, I've been at Stonyfield for six years, but I've been involved in different parts of the Play Free initiative for its lifetime, actually, which is just about a year and a half now. But I moved into this Mission Communications role where I'm leading up the initiative with uh, Christina Drosiak, our director of PR, in about February. So I got, I jumped in right when everything was starting to get busy and just rolled with the punches. And we've had a really busy and successful year with Sony Fields Play Free Initiative.
0: Right. And, and what was the reason for, for starting it, if you can give me a bit of background on, on why it started?
1: So Sony Fields Play Free Initiative uh, originally started because I mean, Stonyfield for the past 36 years has always been um, on a mission for a healthier planet um, and healthier people, not just our healthy yogurt that we're giving to people. So when we found out about harmful pesticides and chemicals being used on fields, we really thought it was time for us to step in because, you know, our cows are grazing every day on organic grass and the, even the soil's organic. So we have no harmful chemicals being put into the streams or soils or rivers around our farm. So why are we letting kids and communities around the country um, plan fields that have all these harmful pesticides and chemicals like glyphosate um, and such? So, uh, But yeah, everyone at the company is really passionate about this project. And we're very excited to see the passion around it in the communities that we work with. Uh, There's definitely been a groundswell of people who've been wanting to transition their uh, not only their backyards, but their communities and their playing fields in the past couple of years. So this is definitely the time to be doing it.
0: You started with 10 communities and you've added 10 more. How would it work if, for example, another community saw this and thought, wow, we'd love to be a part of this. How can we be involved? How would that work?
1: Yeah. So we actually kicked off with a mission to transition 35 fields, um, significant of our 35 birthday last year. So that's the reason that it was 35. So we did 10 last year, or 10, sorry, 10 in the first part of this year, seems like last year. <laughs> uh, so 10 this first part of the year, and then we, we did 10, we just finished during this fall back to school period, and then we'll be doing 15 next year. And we'll be working on ways to the future of this project alive and seeing how we can most benefit um, the communities. But we really thought that even starting with 35, which was a big number to us at the start, was just a great way to kind of spark the um, kind of adrenaline and the activism around this, so that neighboring towns of the cities that transition their fields could see that, hey, this actually works, and this is definitely a benefit for our residents, um, and the kids, and all the sports teams, and everyone on these fields. So we'll see what happens after our 35 fields are done, but we're definitely—I mean, we're definitely in a long term.
0: And how are you able to address the fact that parks and playing fields are not necessarily closed ecosystems? There are things like roads, rivers, local industry that may affect the conditions there.
1: Absolutely. So when we say we're transitioning the entire area to organic, It's not just taking off the glyphosate, which, despite all the news attention right now, is a very popular subject. There are many different chemicals, up to over 30 chemicals used on any park or fields that can be used on there. So that's why we're helping them totally transition their fields. As far as outside factors, the teams that we work with who actually transition these fields, like Beyond Pesticides, Osborne Organics, Non-Toxic Neighborhoods, Midwest Grows Green, they have their own experts that go directly to the field. And do soil samples to see what's actually going into the soil um, whether that be from chemicals or pesticides or even the like you're saying the neighboring factors there of what it's surrounded by and they see how they can best kind of cure that soil and make it healthy again so if there are outside factors they definitely personalize the organic cocktail let's say uh, that they use on those fields and then they take the local landscaping teams or the Parks and Rec department that are taking care of those fields, and they do training sessions one on one with them to make sure that everyone's understanding what outside and envi- um, outside factors or um, environmental concerns there are to make sure that the fields has a great chance to become healthy again.
0: And I imagine there's there's differences between them all for for a variety of reasons. When I mean, you've got places like the the first set was up in the northeast and. New Hampshire, and then you've got places that are Salt Lake City in California, where clearly the conditions are always going to be very different.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that's why we're very, I mean, we're very lucky to have these teams that we work with, because they know the different areas very well, because they've been doing it across the country. So whereas California fields need to, I mean, they not only need to have growth in their organic transitioning, but they also need to make sure they're not overusing water, and they need to keep those costs down. And then in the Northeast, like we have four seasons, how do we keep the fields healthy through all four? So they definitely, it's really great that they can personalize it to each area.
0: The survey that you did found 69% of American parents are looking to lessen exposure to pesticides in food, but 67% don't consider sports fields and playgrounds and parks to be of concern. So that was a little bit perturbing.
1: Yeah, it definitely, it's it's gaining traction a lot now because there are a lot of cases where people are bringing up glyphosate in courts, and those are, those are definitely some big news factors coming in right now. But as far as people who don't know about the chemicals being sprayed, we, through our activism with this and what we're pushing out publicly, um, we've had a lot of people, just we call them aha moments. And they suddenly realized, like, wow, okay, I didn't realize that I'm having a company take care of my lawn, but I don't know exactly what's going on it. And that percentage that you said that Stonyfield found that most American parents, the 69%, are looking at less than their exposure to pesticides, but 67% didn't even consider the sports fields, their, their backyards, the playing grounds their kids are at, or even that their dogs are eating grass at, or anything like that. They didn't see those to be of concern. So um, the response that we've had from a lot of our fans um, and loyal customers has mostly been one of those aha moments where they're like, oh, wow, I really need to change this. Um, How can I get involved in my community? And we have a community grant and also a grassroots donation. So the community donation, we allow them to sign up their towns. And then we can work with our partners and also those towns to see if it's possible for us to do even a pilot field a transition in each town or just different ways we can kind of work it out to see what's uh, going to best impact that community.
0: Obviously, educating parents is really important, but how do you counter the fact that there are still people that would say that a lot of these chemicals are perfectly safe?
1: Exactly. Um, so the group that we work with, we also work with Dr. Philip Landrigan, Um, They've done a lot of research into different health effects that um, not only glyphosate, but those other like 30 plus chemicals that I was talking about have on the human body. And we all know like our skin is our largest organ on our body. So you're in direct contact with these chemicals. They're on your shoes, even like going on a golf course, you're taking all those chemicals onto your shoes and bringing them into your house where your family's rolling around on the ground or literally on your carpet, and they can stay in there. And that's kind of what we counteract that with, that there are definitely a lot of cases that show um, direct research saying that, I mean, these pesticides and chemicals are harmful for your bodies. It's, 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 a, it's definitely a difficult thing to try not to scare people into believing or into realizing that these chemicals are on their fields. We're all about um, educating people.
0: Right. Do you, do you think that that is improving th- partly through this program?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. The education and the awareness just of this in general, we've definitely seen a really big increase in it. We even have some of our, our retailers that we work with work with us and they are putting up field signs on shelf like near our yogurt. And um, some of them even uh, help activate in their community and to our field days or even they sign on to give a donation to those communities to make sure that they're being interactive and uh, a good partner of their community to help transition the field
0: a couple of weeks ago we ran a story about lyco red's new online tool for matching colors with products so you go to the website pick the color you want for your beverage or yogurt or whatever product you have and it tells you which Lyco Red products will give you that colour. It's a really cool use of technology, and of course it's 24-7, and so to tell us more about it is Christiane Lippert, Head of Marketing Food at Lyco
2: HueFinder is an online colour matching tool intended to speed up the process of finding a perfect colour match for food and beverage manufacturers specific to their colour need, and what's, what's really important is that it integrates application and stability insights from across all the segments we have worked on
0: to date. The, uh, the the tool, it, I mean, having been in the, uh, the printing industry for for many years, we we have like the uh, they call Pantone charts. It remind the exactly. tool reminded me a bit of one of those. Was that how how was it developed? It's exactly.
2: Well, that's part of my answer, actually. A little bit is we did have a visual. It started as a paper based form, a paper um, visual swatch, which was linked to our product dosage and application guide. And then we realised that. You know, with all of our application and stability insights continually growing, we realized an integrated searchable online tool would make so much difference would add a lot more value in terms of our internal teams and for customers and prospects
0: right because it's it's something that twenty years ago you could never have even conceived of something like this, but now it just seems as though it's relatively normal
2: it actually was not difficult to do it was a quite okay the biggest piece is actually. Collecting the data behind it and then putting it in a form that that can be searchable and an algorithm to to help search um, Through the data then so not not tremendously difficult of course we would built a lot of the data in the first place and we've been doing that continuously over a few years So what we did have in the past was a paper as I said a paper version and so continually updating a paper version It just never seemed to be quite up to speed (laughs) basically So we then had to think about how can we do it in a more effective way that actually makes more sense for our customers as well.
0: Right. And and with it being online as well, it's a 24-7 solution.
2: Exactly. It's a it's it's a really useful tool for both ourselves and our customers. It's very simple and intuitive as a process. So a customer or prospect simply can go to the website, which is lyco.com forward slash Finder. Then you can select the segment and sub-segment of interest. Uh, the shade that you're looking for, which you find on a color gradient, and then the tool's algorithm that matches our data against that. And then you simply get a color product name provided. It gives a recommended dosage, labeling guidelines, expert application tips, and other uh, relevant technical details. At that point, there's even an option to have a report emailed to you um, or to ask additional questions in a comments box. Um, At this point, we actually, if someone does request a report or make comments, We get an alert directly to our customer experience team so we can respond. I I think the key thing to say, though, is that customers are always welcome to contact us directly. It's not intended as an alternative to the consultation process, but as a tool to enhance the process, to speed it up.
0: And it's also something that it's a good start point, I suppose.
2: Exactly. It's already giving you a starting product to work with, the details of how it can work, um, how to use it in that particular application, And from there, they can contact us to order a sample if they'd like to.
0: Are all the colour solutions that are generated by the tool suitable for all formulations? So if if you, say, picked a specific shade of red for a yoghurt and it gives you the answer of how that should be made up, would would that always work for a yoghurt or do you have to tweak sometimes?
2: Um, Each colour solution provided relates to the segment in particular and that ingredient matrix and the processes typically involved. So we've broken QFinder down into segments and sub-segments so that we've correlated findings from stability and application studies for those segments. So with associated Pantone references for our colors at various dosages. And because they simply pick a shade, for example, within the yogurt segment, QFinder can match a shade to one of our products in that application. So taking into account the other ingredients and the processes. It is important to be aware, though, I would say, that, for example, the color that would work very well in UHT-treated dairy may not be the same as a product that would be used in hard-coated confectionery or plant-based meat alternatives based on both the shade and functionality, but the segments are split so that you will get the correct answer for the segment you're looking at. I think the beauty of the tool is that we capture the learnings from our stability studies in our outputs. So, for example, the shades that we offer as available for UHT-treated dairy are those that are, are that we highlight post-UHT treatment. So they've already been tested in that application, and likewise for areas like hard cheeses or fruit preparations. They've already gone through the typical process, so the color shades we recommend have already been tested in those applications.
0: It wouldn't be affected then if you wanted that particular color for your yogurt, say like a raspberry yogurt, and you click on the red that you want. The addition of fruit isn't going to... Adversely affect how? I mean, do you have to adjust it according to the recipe that the that your customer has? Uh,
2: the addition of fruit on top could have an impact depending on the fruit. So perhaps the fruit itself making it slightly darker, or the fruit itself could brown over time. Typically, to hide fruit browning, colour can actually be added to the fruit preparation before adding it to the yogurt. So, adding colour colour directly to the yogurt to be blended, or adding color to a food preparation are both separate search options on finder. So the shades and the applications themselves differ.
0: So whatever, the, whatever your customer wants, you've pretty much got it covered then?
2: Pretty much. I think there are still segments we will continue to build and grow because our, the database will grow as we continue to do new stability studies in new segments or new application areas. But we have a very good base of data already existing.
0: Do the products have any effect on the um, the end product in terms of taste or?
2: Uh, no, actually our colors are taste neutral, so no impact on the taste. They are also all typically pH-independent and withstand heat and light very well. They are all also vegan, kosher, halal, allergen-free, and so will usually positively support any labeling opportunities that a customer may have. And of course, as I've said, many of the segments take into account typical ingredients and processes based on our stability studies. So it's adjusted so that there shouldn't be a huge amount of um, additional effect in any way. So you've answered the next question as to whether they're good for dairy and dairy alternatives. (laughs) Pretty much yes. I think what what I would say is in our experience to date, our colors work very well in dairy and also plant-based, although as a lot of new plant bases are coming to the fore, There are still areas we need to continue to carry out further research because it's a fast growing area with lots of new um, materials to work with and new ingredients to work with in this plant based uh, space.
0: And I I suppose, again, as we mentioned at the beginning there, it it is a start point. So if anybody's got any questions or concerns, then you're there to, to talk them through it from whatever point they reach.
2: Exactly. We don't see this as an alternative to direct consultation, but rather a tool for greater speed in product selection and with integrated insights. But I would say that for sure, if anyone has questions or if the tool doesn't give the answer they specifically might be looking for, the best solution is to contact us directly.
0: Has it been used so far? Have people that you work with commented on it yet?
2: It is quite early days in the market, but we have had very positive feedback from customers so far. We do actually use it interactively with them as part of the consultation at times, or they can also search themselves remotely and order a sample as a next step. So the feedback so far has been very positive, but it is quite early in the market. It's probably literally only a week or so since we've really publicly launched it.
0: And it's also e- easier for you if you're on consulting with somebody that isn't in the office with you. It's a good opportunity for you to be able to talk them through it so that they can actually see what you're talking about as opposed to trying to explain. It makes, makes a big difference for them remotely having that tool. Exactly. And
2: we hope to also update our website with additional uh, color segment information across our segments uh, within the next week or so. So there's also a lot of the stability data in more detail available for our customers and prospects to read through. Um, So that will be coming in the very near future, so we have additional backup data that customers can see as well. The Finder is a complete tool as it it stands, but we will always add to it. So as we build new data in any new segments, we will continue to build that into the system so that it's as complete as possible for the wide um, market audience.
0: Another story we ran is on Spanish company MSUR's new facility in Madrid. The packaging company's strategic plan involved the construction of a new production building and machines for printing and laminating flexible packaging. MSUR is looking to focus on the dairy market, where it's already the leader in Spain, with products such as yogurt pot lids and sleeves. I spoke with two people at the company, InnoTech and MSUR R&D director Pascal Reyna and global marketing director Cayetano Martínez. If you could give me some details on the new center and why it was developed, and how long it took to create, and what's what's so special about it.
3: Okay, so um, the Innotec is uh, co-expan and I'm sure uh, Innovation Technology Center, and uh, it took over three years till uh, we opened its doors uh, last July 4th. The center uh, has been designed in our headquarters in Madrid as an open space uh, to save a sustainable future for plastic packaging. We really want to become uh, a benchmark, an innovation platform, uh, co-creating value, not only for our customers, but uh, for the whole uh, industry. Apart from our technical expertise and experience in the dairy packaging industry, I would say that uh, the main differentiation of uh, InnoTech is our unique setup of uh, pilot lines, extrusion, lamination, new generation of uh, form, fill, and seal equipment, sleeping tunnels, analysis lab, that uh, really allow us to combine rigid and flexible packaging technologies and speed up the packaging development process of our
0: customers. Okay, and where is the uh, where is the center located?
3: The center is located in uh, Alcalá de Henares, in uh, Coexpan uh, and I'm sure uh, global headquarters in Madrid.
0: And, and how does the collaboration that you're doing with other sectors of industry work?
4: Yeah, so we work across the whole uh, value chain of plastics from raw material suppliers to recycling companies and public institutions. Uh, within the packaging industry, we also collaborate with other agents like uh, universities, tech centers, and or investigation centers. Uh, additionally, we develop products not only for the food and beverage industry, but also for pharma and uh, industrial, uh, other industrial sectors.
0: How does the Innovation Center work on the issues of sustainability? Because I know you already mentioned sustainability, and it's very important for consumers these days.
4: Yeah, actually sustainability is a strategy for us. Uh, we work uh, focusing on, on the three pillars of the circular economy, which means uh, reduce, recycle, and reuse. At CoExpan and I'm sure we, we have made a clear commitment to eco-design and recyclability, of our packaging. Uh, We currently work with several dairy customers, raw material suppliers, recyclers, on uh, rigid and flexible alternatives to improve the recyclability of the final pack as well as its uh, carbon footprint impact. Our new generation of packaging contributes to greater food availability and reduction of plastics waste by providing products that are recyclable or biodegradable after use, uh, whenever possible, including recycled material, guaranteeing optimum product quality and safety conditions. Okay, uh, we are we are also currently involved in various uh, projects promoted by the European Commission, aiming at uh, developing bio-based materials with enhanced compostability properties or recycling polymers, such as. Uh, EPS Sure, uh, the Chemical PS Recycling, that's a life initiative, or the uh, Re- Recycle Qualipso uh, with the French uh, CTO Association to implement a recycling stream for polystyrene in dairy, or Biontop for the new uh, development of the PLA with a better uh, biodegradability properties. At Inotech, as uh, my colleague said, we can extrude, laminate, coat, thermal form, pouch, and label thanks to the, the six pilot lines installed. Right? Our complete set of lab equipment also allows us to identify and characterize properties of the new structures development, uh, developed at the center.
0: And, and I know that you have a lot of products outside of the dairy industry, but because we, we talk about the dairy industry what products do you have that are relevant to the dairy industry
4: we as you know we we are experts in dairy market where where we have been developing solutions since 1973 over the years we we've left our innovation footprint through several new products launches such as multicolor and stripes in the 80s foam polystyrene solutions in the late 90s and uh, PLA uh, base webs in 2015. Uh, another recent launch that we've been developing in collaboration with our uh, one of our key customers is the removable Europa label, easy to peel off uh, for the consumer, and uh, which uh, foster the recyclability of the, the PS cups.
0: The final question that I have here is: How do you see the future of the Innovation Center? Obviously, it's just opened, so. What what does the future look like for it?
3: Yeah, very interesting uh, question, Jim. It is obvious that uh, we live uh, in a constantly uh, changing uh, environment. Uh, Concepts on uh, consumer trends like sustainability, convenience, on-the-go consumption, connectivity, active and smart packaging are changing uh, in somehow the whole packaging industry. Uh, we are convinced that uh, the key challenge nowadays uh, is to highlight the value of packaging and to implement a true circular economy of plastics, which uh, will allow us to maximize the existing natural resources while we guarantee food preservation and uh, food availability. We see Inmatex in the future as a reference collaboration platform in order to accelerate and address the great challenges of, uh, of the sector. A place uh, where we can develop with our customers and partners a new generation of packaging solutions and materials, uh, more sustainable and, uh, and efficient.
0: Another new story we carried recently was the partnership forged between Fonterra and BiHealth. Comal Mystery Meta. Director of NZMP Sports and Active Lifestyle can tell us more about the deal. I wonder if you could tell me what the the background was to partnering with Buy Health in terms of the importance yeah. of health and wellness. Yeah,
5: sure. So um, I guess if I start at the heart of our um, cooperative for Fonterra, part of our purpose is really around creating goodness for generations and. You know, part of bringing that strategy to life that was um, released uh, a couple of months or a month ago. Uh, part of that was around, you know, the establishment and the acceleration of um, what we call functional nutrition. And um, for for the business unit I lead, which is which is one of those um, units that's really around sports and active lifestyle, um, which you can probably look at um, in terms of health and wellness. And I guess. Um, you know, our our purpose is around how do we take goodness um, to generations through um, nutritional solutions, and we work with um, brands all all across the world, and we are really focused on you know um, supporting consumers' lifestyle concerns. So if I give you a couple of examples, you know it's no no surprise around um, obesity; it's tripled since 1975 now more than 1.9 billion people that are um, obese around the world. Um, You know, another example is uh, when you look at Americans that are more concerned with anxiety than being overweight and actually uh, globally anxiety and stress is one of the, now, one of the top um, health concerns which has actually surprisingly overtaken um, uh, weight management. Um, So when we look at those lifestyle concerns, uh, I guess we look at, you know, how can we, How can we be part of um, the solution um, from a nutritional perspective? Um, And we look to work with partners around the world, Bihealth health being a great example of that, that are looking to solve for for the same um, consumer needs. So we have partnered with um, Bihealth. health They are uh, one of the largest vitamins and dietary supplement providers in China. We've worked with them for a number of years, in particular in our dairy proteins. And we decided to take our collaboration to the next level to collaborate on some of these um, some of these kind of um, health concerns. In particular, leveraging our um, specialty ingredients, which are our probiotics, um, so uh, HNO1 and HNO19, and also our um, dairy um, phospholipids. So that's really the background to the partnership. We're really looking to kind of, I guess, leverage the expertise that we have um, within those specialty ingredients and also buy house expertise within vitamins and dietary supplements and intimate knowledge um, of the Chinese consumer to be able to come up with um, innovative projects um, and products together. One of the questions was going
0: to be what they bring to the table that you couldn't do independently. So I guess it's really just the Complementary nature of the fact that they're working in a different field that you don't work
5: in, so it work. It's synergistic that way. Absolutely, look, it's synergistic um, in terms of the expertise they bring in in supplements, and for us, it's the expertise we bring. You know in those specialty ingredients like the probiotics and the phospholipids um, that, that that go into supplements. so it's it's really synergistic and um, you know we're, we're both after for the same outcome, um, which is to provide solutions to that end end consumer.
0: and And what kind of solutions are you looking to develop? I know you mentioned the obesity and anxiety. is it products that you're looking to to be able to address things like that with?
5: Yeah I guess um, um, a couple of different areas so it's around you know mental wellness and um, metabolic health obviously those are those are two very big areas and also um, you know part of that for, for consumers is also the, the anti-aging um, area so if I was to couple it around you know those three big platforms that's what we're looking to develop around.
0: Which markets? Would it be global or will it specifically be for the uh, Chinese market at this point? Look, initially
5: it's um, for the Chinese market, um, but obviously um, we're a global global organisation with presence in over 140 markets. um, And and BuyHealth are also increasing their international presence. So with the acquisition, for example, of LifeSpace last year, which is um, an Australian, uh, the biggest Australian probiotics supplements company. You know they they are looking to we're looking to support them across their global footprint.
0: Fonterra established that sports and active lifestyle nutrition division recently. Is that that's perfect for this kind of partnership? Yes, absolutely. Look,
5: we established the um, Sports and Active Lifestyle Division um, a year ago now. And, you know, this is this is one of our key um, cornerstone um, partnerships, especially in, in R&D. So um, we're very excited about it. From a partnerships perspective, you know, Health is a fantastic brand. You know, from a values perspective across the two organisations, um, we work in a similar way. And so it was, it was a natural next step
0: for us. And I suppose as you develop these products, you've also got to test them to ensure that they're safe.
5: Uh, absolutely. And look, um, you know, uh, Fonterra has, you know, one of the highest food safety quality standards, as does um, given given the um, domain that it plays in and vitamins and dietary supplements. So, you know, nothing, I guess, from both organizations would be released to the market unless it went through due process. At this point now, it's just a case of, uh,
0: for us especially, it's just watch this space and wait for the uh, announcements of the launches.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to kind of um, keep you informed as things do hit the market. But um, we're busy, you know, behind the scenes collaborating and, um, you know, building up the the momentum so we can have superior products in market. So, yeah, definitely watch the
0: space. And it must be exciting as well to be working on this cutting-edge stuff
5: yeah it's really exciting because you know you're working on something that will you know will have a positive impact on society and on, on nutrition um, and help solve some of these you know these big lifestyle concerns that we have as a society. So it is very very exciting and, and very rewarding.
0: And now it's time for our weekly look at the global
6: dairy markets with Liam Fenton at INTL FC Stone. Butter has remained relatively stable to slightly firmer this week. Concerns in the market relate to the fact that there is a a Dutch supply of butter to come to the market yet and also a similar supply maybe of Irish butter. But it hasn't weighed too much on futures yet anyway. Buyers seem happy to get their hedges in place at these levels, regardless of of market comment. Uh, Butter ahead of Christmas was trading around the 3700 level. Quarter one finished the week up about 50 Euros on the week at 3,700 also. Uh, quarter two remained the same level of 3,770 and quarter three was up a bit at the 3,825 level. Skimmel powder has continued to remain firm. Experts continue to remain strong for European product. Uh, deck was up about 30 euros to the 2,440 level, which matched where quarter one also finished the week. Quarter two finished at 2,470, up about 20 euros on the week. Quarter three finished at 24.75. Wei has not been as strong as late, finishing at the 7.65 level.
0: Thank you, Liam. We'll talk to you again next week. INTL FC Stone provides risk management and margin hedging programs and services, as well as OTC hedging tool and MA advisory services to the global dairy industry. And that's it for the first show of November. In the pipeline we have interviews with Tate and Lyle and Tetra Pak as well as whatever I'm able to get from the event in Bulgaria next week. That's if they let me in, which may be a struggle if they only speak Bulgarian. I know these days there are plenty of translation apps you can get on the phone, but I don't totally trust them to mangle what I'm trying to say. I think I've probably been scarred for life by the extremely funny Monty Python English-Hungarian dictionary sketch from the early 1970s. If you've never seen it before, check it out on YouTube. So, we'll see what happens. And we'll also see how many people ask a clueless Englishman for directions. So, all being well, we'll have a podcast for you next week, but more importantly right now, I hope you enjoyed this one. Have a great week.